Welcome to Continuous Plays, The Art of Slaying, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective featuring Brian Thomas. This is probably my favorite Buffy episode of the whole series. And Jay Newcastle. I mean, seriously. Okay, I got real problems. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the copyright of Fox Television Studios, and any discussion of the characters, episodes, or music is strictly for entertainment purposes only. Welcome to The Art of Slaying, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective. I'm Jay. And I'm Brian. And we're here to talk about Season 4, Episode 11, Doomed, written by Marty... Noxon and David Fury and Jane Espenson. Picking up where last week left off, Buffy and Riley argue a little bit with each other about having kept big secrets from the other, but an earthquake interrupts the conversation. Buffy worries that the earthquake signifies the end of the world, having been through that before with the Master, and turns out to be exactly right. The Varal demons want to end the world via the Sunnydale Hellmouth, using the blood of a man, the bones of a child, and the word of Valios, a talisman that Giles possesses, though he believes it's fake, and three sacrifices, which turn out to be throwing themselves in the Hellmouth. Riley tries to convince a wary Buffy that a relationship between them can work, but she dismisses the idea and attempts to distance herself from him knowing that in her heart this relationship is just like all the rest. Doomed. Buffy, Willow, Xander, and Spike head to the high school to stop the Hellmouth from opening, and a big fight ensues where we learn that Spike can actually fight demons without his chip going off. Buffy and Riley stop the last for all demon, completing his sacrifice, and thus avert the Hellmouth from opening. In the aftermath, Riley is now added as a commando to the group and fears that what that will mean from his superiors, but Buffy decides to take a chance on him and lays a big kiss on him in his dorm room at the end. And that is the plot summary for Episode 11, Doomed Brian, and I mean, we pick up right where Hush left off, and we're going to deal with those issues, and hey, we get to go back to high school, too. Yeah, that's kind of cool, actually. Um, I really enjoyed that they picked up exactly where they left off with the awkward silence and then moved forward with that. I thought that was an excellent choice. And, you know, this is a pretty much episode that is about Buffy and Riley. And I actually yeah. thought that worked really well. It is, and it's really about taking a chance on somebody. You know, Riley is this optimistic down home guy. I mean, sure, he's a super commando, you know, that too, but he's still who he is and he wants to give this a shot. And Buffy, because of her past and particularly because of what happened with her and Angel and the whole mess with Parker, she's just feels like this can never work, particularly because Riley's now in that same Angel role. You're in the same line of work as I am, but on some level though, but you're really not understanding what this is all about. And I can't go through that again. And I love how she is so against this and he's so for it. Usually it's the other way around, but the roles are reversed here. And I kind of like that. I like that Riley is the one trying to convince Buffy to give it a shot. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was done so well. And Riley just not giving up and trying to point out that, look, you know, this may not work out, but you've got to give it a chance. You've got to give it a try. You can't just give up on it before anything starts only because you think you're going to get hurt in the end. That's not how things work. And I like that he was really laying into her about it, uh, t- trying to convince her that she should at least give it a shot because they have something there. I, I thought it was very well done. As the whole crux of the episode is Buffy overcoming that fear and 
giving it a shot, giving it a chance. You know, even even though it may be it may be doomed, but so what? You know, give it a give it a chance. And that's the whole bit here and we get to see her go through that with so many other cool things. I thought Riley got so much to do in this episode. I mean, I love the fact that nobody at the initiative really knows what a slayer is. They all think it's a myth, you know, and, and even he doesn't know what it is. You know, Buffy's like, I'm the slayer and he's like not not following. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, right. And th- I, that was great, though. You know, Buffy's own legend, it doesn't really resonate in the scientific community. Because, again, they look at these things. I think Forrest is the one that calls it out. These things are just animals. You know, they're just ferocious animals, but they look like humans. You know, they don't really respect the mystical part of all of this. But when Buffy, of course, is so steeped in that, she could never look at it any other way. And that puts yeah. them on different philosophical sides of the same battle, which is an interesting dynamic to introduce. Yeah, I thought so, too. I, I really enjoyed that whole thing. And I like the fact that the initiative, including uh, Professor Walsh, all believe that the Slayer was something made up to scare demons, kind of like the boogeyman yeah. for human kids, right? I, I like that idea. And I like that, you know, they all of a sudden come into grips that, nope, the Slayer is actually there. Of course, they haven't. he hasn't told anyone yet, but uh, yeah, I, I thought it was well done. So that that makes Buffy the Kaiser Soze of the initiative, yeah, in other words, basically, exactly. right? So, yeah, but no, I, I like that too. I, I like the fact that Professor Walsh comes up with some way to rationalize that. You know, like, okay, well, I knew there was more to you than at the, you know, and I, I like this whole idea of wonder if Buffy's going to get to work with the initiative. What would that be like? Because remember, Spike made that joke in yeah. one of the early episodes. It's like, I knew when she got funding it would be bad news. And what would it be like if Buffy had commandos at her disposal? I mean, we don't know, you know, but it it's neat to play around with that idea. It's also neat to think about what if Buffy had a real human boyfriend who was an actual real person and seemed like a really nice guy. She's never had one of those that wasn't a little twisted or just in it for the sex so far. So this is a neat dynamic introduced, and I like it. I like the whole interplay between her and Riley and that argument they have. And I mean, she brings up some dark stuff. She talks about you know faith and uh, all this stuff. And I love how the final line she gives him is that you think uh, this is you know a, a job or is fun. Well, you ever heard of a hellmouth? I went to high school on one, so yeah. you know all you think we have in common, you don't have any clue what I'm really like. And I thought, eh, Buffy's really laying out the history on him, and you know what? She's not wrong. No, she's not wrong, but I think Riley's more correct, too, when he basically tells her you're trying to keep yourself down. You're keeping yourself in this yep. low place, and you need to stop that. You need to, you know, this is a job, yes, but you know what? It's fun. Oh, and Buff gets all pissed when he says it's fun. But he's saying, you know, you've got to understand that this is part of what it is, and you can't make that be uh, a limiter on what you can do with your life. You just have to keep moving on, and this is just part of it. And the nice part with Riley is that he's kind of in the same boat. He's a secret commando. He's fighting the same types of evil that she's fighting. She doesn't have to be fake around him, which you think would be good for Buffy. You would think she could look at this as an opportunity to get a little bit of help, but instead she just sees it as another nuisance in her way, and she tries to dismiss him. Not that only, but not only for help, but also she can have a relationship with someone she doesn't have to keep it secret from. He can know everything that's going on because he deals with the same types of issues. 
This is true. Yeah, that that's been the issue that she wanted to try to keep from Owen, and then Scott couldn't deal with it. Maybe or you know he I don't know if he ever really knew, and then Parker didn't care to find out. So yeah, so and of course Angel was in the middle of all of it. We saw how that went. So yeah, yeah. I mean you you get why Buffy's the way she is, but Riley's right to call her out on it. And I'm, I'm glad we both noticed that and liked it. So. Well, speaking of things that needed to be noticed, let's talk about Spike for a minute, shall we, Brian? <laughs> so Spike has reached the point now that he can't take it anymore, and he tries to stake himself <laughs> by jumping off of a chair onto some broken furniture at Xander's place. Right. With a stake and, hanging up, yeah. <laughs> yes. And I'm sad he missed. I <laughs> just say well, Spike feels so perfunctory in all of this now. He gets two good lines. He gets two good lines when he calls out Willow and Xander for being hangers on and what he said that you're still the losers you were in tenth grade and Buffy's just too nice to let you cut you loose. That's the only good line he gets in this whole thing. Otherwise it's like they still haven't figured out what to do with this guy now that they've defanged him. And, and luckily, we'll find out soon enough. But you're right. He he gets interrupted on his suicide attempt, so it fails. But even more so, he tr- he tries to be frightening, and he can't be. He does. He, he realizes he's not even scary, so he's trying to tell him to let him just take itself out. And as much as Xander really wants to let him do that, he can't. He won't. <laughs> and I don't even know why he won't, but he won't. But what I really like too about this whole thing is that Xander really lays it out to him. He stands up to Spike and tells him, you know, I could totally kill you right now, but you're not even worth an ass kicking right now. And that just guy's got a burn in Spike's mind, right? He's just being basically told, you're not scary, you're not frightening, I could kill you if I wanted to, and but I'm not going to, because you're not worth it, and you're not even worth me beating the crap out of you for. And I think he summed up what everybody watching this show is wanting to say right now, too. Why is Spike still here? This seems so out of place for him to try to amalgam himself into the group. You know, he doesn't fit. He's funny, sure, and the character's fun, but he's no longer a threat. And when he's not a threat, Spike's not terribly useful. Right. And, you know, he comes in, sure, he comes in in the fight at the end, but he almost causes it to happen because he throws one of the Varal demons in the friggin' pit, you know, because he figures out he can fight. But now, what did you make of that, that whole bit where, you know, I can fight a demon and all that stuff? I mean, did you like that? Well, if they're going to keep him around, then yes. He has to have some sort of value at some point. So the fact that he can, you know, beat up a demon and not get the pain, good. Now we have a reason for him to be around and he can actually do something with the group. If they're good, if that's their intention is to keep him in this group, which by all, all means is what it looks like, uh, then he might as well be useful at something. So it finally was something we can say, okay, Spike's there for a reason now. Well, you wonder, though, would he ever come around to that side of the fight? I mean, you never know. He's more excited the fact that he can actually hit something and take out some frustration. He doesn't give a rip that it's, you know, saving the Hellmouth from opening. He doesn't even know. He doesn't care. He's just there. But I'm with you. At least they gave him something he could physically do instead of just sit over there and kind of... You know, be a smart aleck now. It's eh, it's worth it. But what did you make, though, of, and we can talk about Xander and Willow with this. I called out the line he laid on them. What do you think of that? I mean, that to me, you know, we talked about it. It was great to see the group working together, and they're working together again here. But is he wrong with what he's saying? I mean, there's some truth in that, I think. 
Yeah, I'm, I think there's some truth in the fact that, in particular, Xander hasn't moved on from who he was in high school. Willow kind of has spikes off on that one, but Xander really is the fifth wheel. We've talked about how he felt like that this season anyway, right? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I liked that he's, you know, Spike's always been the guy to lay it out like it is, right? He did that last season. He's doing it now. I mean, yeah. he basically told Buffy and Angel that it wasn't going to work, and here's reasons why. And mm-hmm. and all. I mean, he's he's been the the guy to kind of tell it like it is. Even in this season, with the whole episode we had with the the Indian uh, group, too, the same thing. He was the one to lay it out like it is, mm-hmm. and and so it's kind of been his character. But he's he is right. You look at Xander in the, in this uh, series, and really, he he can't keep a job. He's been a bartender. He's been a construction guy. Now he's a pizza delivery man. I mean, what the crap? I mean, he must either be a really bad employee or he just can't. He's got ADHD and has to quit every time. I think a little little bit of both of those, but a part of it is Xander still trying to figure out who he is and what he is, you know? Absolutely. I mean, maybe, you know, falling into a crypt and catching syphilis, you know, scared him away from working construction. I don't know. (laughs) But, I mean, you know, but the guy, the guy's always looking for something. He does eventually, yeah, which I think is funny that they kind of blew that, and then now he's delivering pizza again, and now he's... You know, going to go back to that, but we'll get to that in another season or so. But, you know, the point is Xander doesn't know his place in this world anymore. Willow's figuring out her place. Buffy knows hers. And I think that's the deal. And all Xander wants is just to be there. And he's content with that, but Spike's telling him he should want more. And I think Anya's telling him that, too. Yeah, I agree. But And I think on the Willow side of things, I think he's, he's spot on with her, too. I mean, really... What what has she figured out? Not a whole lot. She's figured out that she wants to do some sort of magic, but she hasn't figured out yet how to get the group to accept that um, and how she can use it to help the group. Uh, she she's still kind of on the outside looking in. Buffy's got her own world going with Riley, with you know slaying and everything. We don't see her patrolling with Buffy very much anymore. She sits at a party in this one and it looks very uncomfortable and out of place. She runs into Percy, who basically she overhears calling her a nerd, a captain of the nerd squad, I think is his line, and that really gets to her. And you know, really, she she kind of wants to be best friends with Buffy at uh, all the time and it doesn't seem like that's kind of how it's panning out yet. So I think he calls it out right there too. Well, you know, Buffy is does have responsibilities above and beyond that and as we've known when Buffy gets involved with somebody she does tend to drop everybody else. I mean, that's whether she's involved with Riley yet or not, she's consumed with dealing with him in some way. So that's the M.O., and I think she knows that. And I do think it's funny, though, that Willow's offended by being called a nerd, but in the first episode, she said nerds are cool in college. So I thought she was okay with that. I don't know. That just felt uh, weird. You calling, maybe Willow's just you calling a little, yourself a nerd is different than hearing someone else actually call you a nerd, I think. <laughs> I, get, I guess you're right. I'm also trying to take into account Willow is still on the mend oh, yeah. from Absolutely. Oz. And in a big in a big way. And that's that's part of the whole thing here is that she's not really sure what to what to do yeah. with this, you know? And it's, yeah, it's, it's really, I don't know. It's kind of sad to watch them, but the, it is neat to see them all get to go back to high school. I thought that was really cool. Mayor meat. Yeah. yeah the, the dead snake piece. That was kind of cool. Um, I, I wondered, is the school there? Apparently it's still there. It's still a flaming mess and they haven't cleaned it out because there's dead 
bear still in there, which is kind of gross. You would think that we're, we're a whole summer out and probably a good semester into the college year, and that's still sitting there like it is. It's kind of gross. Well, it's it's almost Christmas time. I mean, that's what we're coming up on here. And yeah, I'm with you. I'm like, good grief! What Sunnydale moves slow on these structures. Yeah. I don't know what their deal is. But uh, and as it turns out, it'll be several years before they rebuild the high school. I want to know where all the high school children are going now in Sunnydale. Are you getting bussed over to the next county? What's the deal? I must say, what what we need to go back and figure out one of their rivals in one of the football episodes early on. And see, I guess that's where everybody's going now. But <laughs> I'm curious to where the sunny the Sunnydale Razorbacks are all matriculating now while the, the high school is no longer in, in swing. Yeah, the the whole uh, crux then, it, you know, the, well, the backdrop of this episode is you got these demons, what, what do we call it, the Varha or whatever the heck they're called. The, the Varhaal yeah. demons, right? And they're basically collecting odd things. You mentioned blood of a human, child bones, and Giles figures, the gang's searching and searching and searching, trying to figure this out. They finally figure out what it is that's going on, and uh, they say they need three sacrifices. Now, my first thought, Jay, was when they showed up at the school, you had uh, Buffy, uh, Xander, and Willow, right? Those are the three that showed up at the school. And Spike. Well, Spike, and Spike, Spike doesn't count. He's a demon. So right there, you've got three True. human sacrifices. I thought that they were going to be the sacrifices. Then they threw it all in their head, and it was actually the demons who were sacrificing themselves. I thought that was interesting. Can I think I like that, though? I like the fact that these people would be, you know, that's what happens in cults, right? You get so committed to the cause that ultimately you're the last thing that opens the portal. Yeah. And that's something that fits in this show a lot, right? Remember, they tried to get anybody's blood to open up the sword of a Akafla, and who did it turn out needed to be angel's blood, right. right? You have to make self-sacrifice. Buffy had to die in order to live again to kill the master. I mean, we've seen this, yeah. right? You have to make self-sacrifice. They had to blow up your high school to, you know, kill the mayor. To do that, I don't like that. I thought that was a neat little turn. I mean, they don't explain much about the demons. We're getting that a lot on this show, that they have these evil things that are just sort of arbitrary, and they're not going to really bother to explain it. And they don't need to because it works to move the plot forward. And I was fine with it. I liked it. I thought it was cool. I agree. I liked it, too. And I like that they... I like the fact that they have these kind of backdrop stories that are in the background while you build other things along the episode. And I think they've been doing it a very good job of that, especially with this episode, because you didn't really care what was going on with the, the Varal demons. Honestly, you didn't give a rats because you're watching the Buffy and Riley thing and wanting to know what was going on with that. So it was well done. Well, Brian, we're at the part of the podcast where we give our dustings rating. So what's your dustings rating for season four, episode 11 doomed. I'm giving this another four dustings, two, four dustings in a row. Uh, uh, this was just a fun, really good episode. And I like the Riley Buffy storyline and how they have just come across this big uh, revelation between the two. And now they're trying to figure out what to do with it. And I like the whole struggle to figure that out. And I like that Riley took the initiative to point out the good parts and why Buffy was wrong and how she should give it a chance. I thought it was done very well. The story was done very good here. And overall, it was just a really good episode all around. I agree with you. It's a fantastic episode. It's really fun. It gets a lot of places. And 
I thought it was well acted for the most part. You know, all the things I called out that I didn't really know why Spike was there and stuff. I still thought he had some good lines and did some things. But the crux of this, man, is sold for me on Buffy and Riley and the performances there and everything that's happening. It's just so interesting. Four dustings for me, too, Brian. I like this episode, too. I can't believe two four in a row, but they're really hitting them out of the park now. And I'm glad to see the season has finally found its feet and is getting somewhere. So it's uh, I'm really liking where we're going. Curious to see how the rest of it unfolds as we're at the half waypoint. Thank you for tuning in to this latest episode of The Art of Slaying, our Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective. You can find more episodes in the archive section of our website, theartofslaying.com. You can also find links to our social media pages. You can find links to our film podcast, Filmstrip, where you can peruse through the archives of some of the movies we've reviewed and also read our latest feature from our fellow movie podcaster, Nick, Nick's Picks, where he does some reviews of the television shows he watches. Tons of content for you. You can find us on iTunes. Leave us a review. We really appreciate that. And most of all, we appreciate your listenership and support. So until next time, for Brian, I'm Jay. Thanks for tuning in to The Art of Slayer. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the copyright of Fox Television Studios, and any discussion of the characters, episodes, or music is strictly for entertainment purposes only. Grr, arg. <laughs>